Welcome to the NAI Football Podcast. This is the second episode of the NAI Football Podcast, so you can just sit back, relax, and enjoy the content we are going to give you about NAI football. I am here with my co-host, Corey Thorpe, and we are excited to be here with you today and talk about all of last Saturday's action. Corey, how are you doing tonight, man? Man, I'm doing all right. That was an exciting week of football, wasn't it, John? Man, unbelievable. We said that this playoffs was stacked of 16 quality teams, and we have a lot of cover tonight. Um, let's get right to it, man. So in the first round, we had four of the top five teams. They are out of the playoffs. There were four upsets in the playoffs. So we had Marion go down, Reinhardt go down, Bethel go down, Northwestern go down. Corey, what was the most shot in your opinion? Man, to me, it's it's got to be Bethel. They played their hearts out. They they forgive me, Baker fans, but Bethel outplayed Baker the entire game. If it wasn't for uh, you know just some really uh, good play down the stretch from from Baker. Uh, you know, Bethel would still be in the, in these playoffs, man. It just goes to show you, turnovers will kill you. Don't matter who you are. Right. That, that's right. So Bethel had five fumbles in that game and lost four of them. And Baker, Baker deserves credit. It's not like Bethel just handed those fumbles over. You know, Baker worked for those fumbles. And, you know, they took advantage of it. I thought that the Baker offense – kept pace enough with Bethel that whereas if Bethel didn't come with their A game, if they played, you know, a little down while Baker played the perfect game and stayed within striking distance, that Baker Baker had a chance. And that's exactly what they did. I just want to read a quote real quick uh, from their head coach, uh, Mike Grossner. He said, you could have picked at least eight different times we could have folded. Being down by 11 – at a good team's place. Things aren't going well and going into the fourth quarter. So I, I think that's really important. And it showed the Wildcats' character and integrity that, hey, we're a playoff team. We are mature, and we're going to stay in this game. We deserve to be here. And even though we're at the three-seeds house, we're going to win this game. And that's exactly what they did. So great Wildcats as well. And we're going to hit more on this game. But – uh, I, I can see your perspective, Corey, with that answer. Um, I'm going to go the opposite direction with the two-seed Marion. You know, St. Xavier beating them 34-21. to 21, And it just shows you that teams can make up ground throughout the season. 11 weeks ago, St. Xavier lost 52-7, to 7, I believe it was, to Marion. And <laughs> there was some trash talk on Twitter, Corey. I know uh, you saw it. We're not going to bring it up. But, you know, I thought your Bethel choice was a great one. But to me, nothing beats the cake of coming back and beating that team that you lost to earlier in the year. Do you have any thoughts on that game? Yeah, Marion just – yeah, they had the opportunities, John. They were one of 11 on third down. And give credit to St. Xavier's defense holding them, keeping them off the field, keeping them from gaining momentum. 
you got to make those third down conversions if you want to win this championship. Oh, I totally agree. And uh, as we're going about it, you know, I think uh, Mid-South Football Conference had three teams in, and the Mid-States Football Association had three teams in. The Mid-South, they were your losers of the weekend. Their teams were super competitive. You know, you had two teams losing overtime, and then you had another team had a battle back, but they looked like they were about to get blown out of the weather. While the Mid-States, they show excellent football this weekend. I mean, besides the interconference matchup between St. Xavier and Marion, they played amazing football. You had Concordia going down to Georgia, defeating Reinhardt. You had St. Francis, the back-to-back champs, with a statement win. Uh, unbelievable. Corey, man, tell me something. Tell me your thoughts on the Mid-States and the Mid-South, man. How do they – what's the perspective of the two right now? I mean, you know, the Mid-South Conference has just got to gotta take a, a minute now that they're all sitting – on their couches watching watching the playoffs. They're, they're going to have to take a step back and go, oh, man, what happened here? Um, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, they, they say that the, the, they grow the kids bigger down there in the South and, and certainly in the, you know, FBS world in, uh, in the NCAA. That's, that's certainly the case. But, uh, you, you know, all these teams just – I think they can they can come back next year bigger, stronger, faster, and and I think they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder, you know, trying to say, you know, we we've got to avenge avenge this year. I think you'll see next year um, a really hungry set of teams out of that conference. Right at the mid south, you know, you had Reinhardt break through that threshold last year, reaching the championship game. You've had the University of Cumberland's Patriots, you know, they've been at the top before. So, I mean, they're no stranger. Let's not act like they're never winning any playoff games. But I think this weekend just added just a little different perspective uh, about the conference, especially with Lindsey Wilson and Georgetown just barely missing the playoffs. I think you get less sympathy around the nation for some teams that miss the playoffs. And let me go ahead and add, as some on Twitter have added and some in our Discord chat, and if you haven't been invited to our Discord chat, Please let us know. We would love to have you in there. But 16 teams is a great number. We don't need to go any bigger, and we don't need to go any smaller. If you left it in the selection committee's hands, then, I mean, that's just on you. I think 16 is a great number. But, Corey, let's get back on topic, man. We're going to go through these games one by one and uh, give you give our opinions on what happened. Uh, and then we're going to look through next week's matchups for round two, the quarterfinals. So we're going to start with Dickinson State and Northwestern. We said last week that Dickinson State was a mystery out of the North Star Conference. Um, you know, they had a bad loss on the season and had some quality wins, but they're a solid ball club. They are proud tradition, won, I think, 25 conference championships in their history. But then you have Northwestern there that went toe-to-toe with your number one seed, Iowa. Corey, do you think anyone gave Dickinson State a chance to go down to Iowa and beat these guys? No, no, probably not. 
And you know, you, you got to talk about Dickinson State's defense was just downright gnarly. Um, we we talked um, before. Um, Jay Liggins, man, four hits. That is balling out, dude. Unbelievable. He has to be player of the week, in my opinion. You know, and you're talking about that Dickinson State offense. You know, Northwestern, the Red Raiders, they're they're grinders, man. They will grind some yards out of you, especially rushing the ball. You know, North uh, Dickinson State did a great job holding them under 300 yards. But this game was as even as it could get. It reminds you of, like, an old SEC slobber knocker where one, two, three mistakes could do you in because the teams were – so close statistically together. So you had Dickinson State running 68 plays, Northwestern running 66 plays, Dickinson State with 4.6 yards per play, Northwestern with 4.3 yards per play. So they were very close, but Northwestern, you know, they got the turnovers and they cashed in when they needed to. So it just goes to show you, man, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. So that's an interesting that's an interesting win, especially for Dickinson State, who was lacking respect, in my opinion, coming into it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them as we go along, especially in that quarterfinal matchup. Uh, I think they are slated to play. Let's look here. They are selected to go to Kansas Wesleyan, and that's a winnable game for them. So Dickinson could be in the semifinals. And I know there's a guy in our Discord chat who is absolutely disgusted by that fact. But give the Blue Hawks some respect, man. They have put the work in, and they are going to the quarterfinals looking for that semifinals berth. So what do you think about, Corey? Man, I I agree. I think that um, the Dickinson State, um, you know, we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but I, I think they have a really good shot to be Kansas Wesleyan, um, you know, especially if right. that team shows up again. But I want to give a shout-out. Um, to uh, Coach Coke from Dickinson State. Um, yeah, the outside linebackers coach, correct? Yeah. He, oh, uh, yeah, his guys played well. He, they, they sure did. And, um, you know, he, he retweeted one of our tweets, so we just want to put uh, give him some love and uh, just tell him thank you for um, helping us out. Yeah, yeah, much love to the Blue Hawks and – Great season by the Red Raiders. I mean, there's nothing to hang their hats on. And you know they'll be coming back. And I'll tell you one thing about Northwestern. The goal for them next year is to unseat Morningside and win that GPAC conference. Be great Plains champions. I know they are ready to unseat Morningside. But we're going to move on to the next game. We had the three-seed Bethel losing to the Baker Wildcats. It was a showdown of Wildcats, 44-41 to 41 in overtime. You know, and uh, before we talk about the game, I can't say enough good things about what happened in McKenzie, Tennessee this year with Bethel, going from a losing season last year to undefeated regular season. And, you know, a couple bounces here, there. They're, they're in the quarterfinals as well. Like we mentioned, they outplayed Baker but Baker did what they had to do to win. They were right there in striking distance, and they took advantage. Corey, go ahead, man. You know, I a lot of 
the um, the credit has to go to the running game of of the uh, Baker Wildcats. J.D. Woods, seven and a half yards a pop for 181 yards. That is some serious running. You control the line of scrimmage like that, you're going to win. Oh, totally agree with you. And, you know, Bethel's had times where teams kept pace with them. You know, they had a one-point victory against Georgetown in overtime this year, so they were no strangers to overtime. But, you know, Baker was pretty battle-tested themselves, and we talked about that in the last podcast. You know, they outlasted the Evangel, uh, played some other great teams from the heart of America. But to me, it's just unbelievable that they went down there and upset Bethel, and I, I would say not many people had Bethel winning that game. Bethel was my national championship pick as far as making it to Daytona, and the Baker Wildcats have absolutely ruined that for me. So it was amazing by Baker. You know, Bethel ran 99 total plays. So we talk about this RPO offense, and I think back to you know Clemson back in 2016, I believe, when Deshaun Watson beat Alabama, they absolutely wore down that elite Alabama defense running over 100 plays. So the fact that Baker came out victorious, outlasting Bethel with 99 plays, that is unbelievable to me. And, you know, we talked about Bethel fumbling the ball five times, losing four of them. You can't do that and expect to make a quarterfinal game. You can't do that against a bad team a bad team could get up and beat you if you give the ball away that many times but Bethel has a lot to hang their hat on I think it was a great uh, building season for them um, coach Deerman you know all offseason last year he was using the hashtag rebuild well I think it's safe to say that Bethel has definitely been rebuilt and they have done a great job recruiting in season and I would also like to give a shout-out to the senior Bethel quarterback, Sam Castronova. You know, he broke records at Bethel this year, broke his head coach's record, you know, because Brent Dearman was a quarterback at Bethel, very successful. So I'd like to give a shout-out to him. Sam, that was a great career. You're a junior college product. I wish you luck at whatever you decide to do at life, and I hope that was not your last football game. But, uh, uh, Corey, any thoughts closing up the discussion of this game? Uh, just, you know, Baker's six, 6.1 yards per play. Um, you know, that really, that really helps out that defense. Uh, you know, as, as long as you can give, give your defense time, time to rest, man. So, um, it'll be good. And, and we will see what they'll do against the defending champs. I mean, the road gets no easier for Baker. Yeah. That's right. Speaking of road, they're going to have to be road warriors again. And as a person that played in Fort Wayne, Indiana in 2013, you know, that's a that's a good environment to play in as an NAIA player. Those stands are going to be packed. And uh, Coach Donnelly, no legendary coach, he'll have his team ready. They are hot at the right time. I'm excited to get to that matchup uh, pretty soon here. But uh, anyways, let's go ahead and uh, – Move to Concordia versus Reinhardt. Uh, I'll let you go ahead first, Corey, man. Go ahead and tell us what you think about it. You know, the, this game to me is is 
the epitome of, of every coach yelling over and over again, you have to start fast. You have to start fast. We talk about Reinhardt and Reinhardt's triple option system um, that, they, that they run. What happens if you put a running team behind? And Concordia right. and really, really that's, shows that's right. that if you put a running team behind like that, it's really hard, really hard. Even though Reinhardt tried to come back, it just wasn't enough. It was they had dug too big of a hole, and and that's hard when you run that system. That's correct. So Reinhardt is the master of you know short traps, speed sweeps, tosses, flings, bellies, any kind of power run play. They and a little misdirection, a lot of misdirection added in. The, you know, Concordia had to play assignment football. You know, as where Reinhardt's offense has very dynamic to it. Concordia saw it last year, and this was a revenge game. So Reinhardt was, like you said, they started slow, and they couldn't battle back. Here, starting the fourth quarter, Reinhardt was down. I think it was 24-3. That's just hard for a running team to try to come back. And I think they had 200 yards passing last time I looked, if I remember correctly. That's just hard to battle back. Concordia had the blueprint to beat Reinhardt this year. They started fast, and they finished them. They finished Reinhardt. Reinhardt made a late push there in the fourth quarter, scoring 18 points. But Joe Connor, the running back, iced them with a 75-yard run midway in the fourth quarter. When it's 31-15 with a running offense, you just didn't – I just didn't see Reinhardt finishing that game. So congrats to the Cardinals of Concordia, man. One other thing about, about that game, we, we've got a couple of, of games here um, where there was a lot of sloppy play. But I got to tell you, Roger Engel might not have had a real flashy game for Concordia, but he didn't turn the ball over. No, and just like the other Mid-South counterparts, Reinhardt put the ball on the ground. Two fumbles, and they lost them. And that's that's huge. They had to push back fast. I mean, two turnovers, even that small amount, that'll do you in. And that's the problem sometimes with heavy running teams. The turnovers, the fumbles increase. But Reinhardt is all about execution and They executed way too slowly in the game. Uh, Moving on, this was my pick for upset of the week, but we have St. Xavier, the 15th seed, I believe they were, defeating Marion 34-21. And no one, and I guarantee you, no one thought that the Knights were going to lose to the Cougars. 11 weeks ago, 11, Marion defeated the Cougars 52-7. Corey. Come on, man. Did anyone think that St. Xavier, besides the people outside of Chicago, inside Chicago, thought that they would beat the Marion Knights? Yeah, no. Uh, No, but, you know, St. Xavier, you know, came to play. Um, Nick Krzyzewski, dude, 54 
and a half yards a reception. That is that's absurd. I've never seen anything like that. Unbelievable, right? And uh, I just can't believe Marion played stout defense all year. You know they defeated our back-to-back champions. And Marion they won a national championship not long ago. Saint Xavier as well. Don't get me wrong, but Marion just looked like. They had the ultimate pedigree to be in that Daytona National Championship game. Am I wrong, Corey, about that? No, no, not at not at all. I mean, you're you're right, but you know, like like we said, these playoffs were stacked, and like I said before, one of eleven on third down isn't going to cut it in the playoffs. You know, there there are no there are no cupcakes in these playoffs. You you just can't sleep on anybody. You got to get up to play every every game. Right, and, you know, if it wasn't for – because Marion was anemic in the passing game, only 83 passing yards. If they didn't have the effort of running back Charles Salary, Marion would have been blown out. This could have been 52-7 to with the shoe on the other foot for St. Xavier, you know, or for Marion. Marion could have lost if it wasn't for the running game. The running game was absolutely stacked this game. You know, the running back, Charles Sowery, we just talked about him. He rushed for 217 yards. But St. Xavier got after the quarterback so much that they only netted 172 rushing yards as a team. This has to be one of the biggest turnarounds we saw. And many people around the nation thought St. Xavier's side of the mid-states was weak, but apparently not. They ran through that side and got better, and here they are. They're quarterfinals, and they are looking for a semifinals berth. I was very impressed with them, and, you know, here's the reward. They get to go to Morningside, but I definitely would not count them out. And, Corey, you made a shout-out earlier. I would like to make a shout-out to a great photographer in the Chicago area, Mark Carosa. He was covering that game with his great photography skills. We have a couple splash edits we make for the kids. So thank you for that, Mark. And closing thoughts on this game, Corey? Um, Vance McShane, five yards of carry. Again, you know, if, if you're running the ball that effectively, you know, that in the, in the big play, you're, you're going to have a shot, you know. But uh, like you said, you know, they go out of the frying pan and into the fire having to go, you know, over to Morningside. Uh, you know, it's it's like, if you, if you're the coach for St. Xavier, you're like going, well, thanks. That's right. That's right. What a reward! You get to go to Morningside. But uh, let's go ahead and move on. We got Kansas Wesleyan and Langston. You know, you have the champions of the KCAC and or the KCAC. I didn't want to butcher that. But then you had the champions of the Sooner Athletic Conference, Langston, who is an HBCU. For those that did not know. And this game was surprising. We had uh, a defensive battle, a 15-9 game. No one expected this. This was top five offenses for both teams. Unbelievable that this was a 15-9 game. No one expected it, but Coach Drinkall, he got the Coyotes rounded up, and they did enough. To stop to stop Langston's high-powered offense, 
Um, you know, Langston's quarterback, Jalen Lowe, it looked like he was playing backyard football all season long with throws and runs he was making. He was held to – I can't remember the exact number he was held to, but the Lions were held to 256 yards, and they've been averaging almost 550 yards all season long. So hats off to Kansas Wesleyan for winning that game. But I think it was a surprise to everybody that it was a defensive battle. Yeah, we def we both went back and forth on on this one. Um, you know, we we're, we're both racking our brains about who we wanted to pick in this game, and and just the battle in this game. You know, it kind of proved us right in just being um, perplexed on on who to pick last week. Um. You know, but DeMarco Pruitt for um, Kansas Wesleyan, um, 123 yards uh, on, on 34, 34 carries, uh, you know, controlling the ball, controlling the clock. Right. I think the recipes, if Kansas Wesleyan wants to make it to the semifinals, they're going to have to rely on DeMarco a ton. They're just going to feed him. They gave them 30-plus carries, and that's they're going to have to give them 30-plus carries if they want to win any games in these playoffs, especially if their passing game goes stagnant like it did. And I will say one thing about uh, Kansas Wesleyan, their defense got after it. You know, you have Shaq Bradford breaking the conference record for sacks on a season. He got after that quarterback. He got half of a sack Saturday, had one-and-a-half tackles for loss. So – he was getting after, as well as the other Coyotes. And let's not downplay what Langston did on the season. They can't help what teams were in front of them. They demolished them all. Their offense demolished them all. I thought it was a strong showing by both teams. And I think it was some disrespect given to both teams. They didn't think they deserved to be matched up with each other. But much respect to both teams, giving us a good showing. And respect to Kansas Wesleyan, they're 12-0, and historic season. It's never been done there. So they have, I believe they have Dickinson State next round. Am I right about that, Corey? Yeah, you're, you're exactly yep. right. So you, 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 know, you have the, the two disrespected teams in the first round, and so now you have the disrespected team versus uh, the, the team that nobody really knows about. And – that's another good matchup uh, in, in these playoffs. Right. That's right. So whoever wins that quarterfinal game out Kansas Wesleyan and Dickinson State will probably be one of the most hated teams in the NAIA because they don't feel like they deserve to be there. But these two teams just have to keep going. I mean, like I said, they can't help who's put in front of them. Just take advantage of it. So let's go ahead and move to the – Sure thing games that we had this past Saturday. We had St. Francis and Grandview and Morningside and Rocky Mountain. Uh, I mean, there's not much to talk about these two games. You know, you had St. Francis absolutely suffocating Grandview with their defense. And then you had Morningside absolutely lit up the scoreboard. So, I mean, there's not much to say. These two teams came out and they dominated. And they're looking good, especially with the – 
you know, four out of the five, five top teams out of it, St. Francis is primed to make another run again. You know, um, just like we talked about last week with, with St. Francis, you, you know, there are some teams um, that are just built for playoffs. The regular season, you know, you're going to be fine, absolutely fine. But you're looking to get back to the playoffs, and that's – that's who St. Francis is. They know what they're doing in these playoffs, and that defense was sick. 2.6 yards per play given up to, to Grandview, five sacks, and held Grandview to less than 33% on third down conversions at 415, while they themselves went for 6.64 yards per play and converted on third downs eight out of 12 times. That's how you win. You convert on third down, and you get six yards a pop. Right. And on the website, we have, uh, you know, one of those gifts, uh, a picture video of Matt Crable throwing a touchdown pass. But Matt, this is uh, 13 of 20 for 166 yards. And to be a St. Francis quarterback, you don't have to do anything amazing. You have great talent all around you. So he just. And I don't want to call him a game manager. He's talented. He's a talented kid. But, I mean, with the rushing attack that they had, and he gets it done on his feet as well. He rushed 51 yards. But he has great players around him. As long as St. Francis doesn't make many mistakes, they're going to go far in these playoffs, and they're primed to make another run. They had zero turnovers. You know, we have a trend in these games where, you know, the team that has the less turnovers are going to win. That's how it's been the whole playoff so far. And then you have Morningside absolutely suffocating Rocky Mountain. You know, heads, you know, hats off to Rocky Mountain for winning the Frontier Conference in unseaten Southern Oregon. But Morningside showed why they were the number one seed. Trent Solzman and Connor Niles, they got it done again. I mean, I, I expect those two to make it to Daytona, Niles and Solzman, that is. But, uh, Anything you want to close on that before we get to our last game? Um, just thinking about it, um, do you remember? Uh, it's got to have been like, through, you know, five years ago now, back when the Lions had, had uh, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. You knew where the right. ball was. You knew he was going to get thrown to. It didn't matter. Right. You, it just didn't That's matter. Right. That's how Solsma and Niles is. About half of Solsma's balls are going to going to Niles. It doesn't matter. He's going to catch it anyway. That's right. I mean, and that's the thing about Morningside's offense as well. There's so many options in that vertical passing game that they just can't focus on one receiver because eventually the other will beat them. But you're right. If I had to pick my poison, I'm not letting Connor Niles beat me. So <laughs> – that's going to be an interesting matchup the next round, you know, with uh, how do you play Morningside? Can you shut them all down, or are you just going to take Niles out of the game, and we're going to see what St. Xavier does. Uh, moving on to our last first-round game, we had the University of Cumberland's Patriots versus the Benedictine Ravens. You know, you had Cumberland's, who's transitioned – to the shotgun, I guess, spread, option offense. They have those tendencies still and still the fundamentals a little bit of it. 
I know I'm going to catch some flack for that. Uh, I need to go back and watch more games of their season. I feel like I didn't give them attention that they deserved. But they, as well as their other Mid-South Conference mates, they had the game, and then they gave the game away, Corey. Two fumbles. One fumble let the Ravens of Benedictine tie the game. Then the other fumble in overtime let the Benedictine Ravens seal the game. So Cumberland's, just like Bethel, should probably still be in these playoffs, but shoulda, coulda, woulda, they're not. And hats off to Benedictine. They went out and won the game. They kept pace with Cumberland's, and here they are. They're semifinalists. They didn't outgain Cumberland's, but just like Baker, they stayed within striking distance, and they are the winners, and they are going to the quarterfinals. You don't have to outgain the other team if the other team is giving you extra opportunities at bat. I mean, they had three fumbles total in the game, Cumberland's did, and two interceptions. You know, five turnovers, just as we talked about with, with the, the Battle of the Wildcats and Bethel and Baker. Um, you know, that's a, that's a surefire way uh, to have a real right. – really short off, uh, run in the playoffs. Right. And, you know, Cumberland's, they, they hung their hat on Milton Shelton, the running back. Um, you know, he ended the regular season great against Pikeville, over 200 yards, and he almost got that 200-yard mark against Benedictine. Uh, they gave him 32 carries, but it just wasn't enough. They just got to take care of the ball, and Benedictine, they – they survive and they go on to the next round. And like you said, you don't have to outgain the other team. You just take advantage of those turnovers, and there you have it. You're there again, in which we have Benedictine going against Concordia next week. So, um, Corey, with the first round behind us, is there anything you would like to add that we saw from? Week week one of the playoffs, round one of the playoffs. You know, we, we've said it a couple times on this pod, but I'll but I'll say it again: the the team that makes the least mistakes. Um, you know, and this is not just true of NAI; it's true of you know middle school football up into the pros. The team that makes the least mistakes is is generally going to win. You have to play mistake free football, whether it be turnovers, whether it be penalties, whether it be playing sound assignments and converting your third downs, you have got to be crazy and you've got to be on. Right. I I mean, I totally agree with that, Corey. That's, that's totally true. And um, before we move on to the uh, second round action, I just want to recap a scoreboard of because we have NAIA games that were played outside the playoffs. Um, you had the St. Andrew Knights. They are a branch of Weber International. They lost to the Hampton Pirates 44-17. Uh, credit to them for taking the game a couple leagues above in the FCS. You had the Allen University Yellow Jackets out of South Carolina take a game against Brevard. They are a first-year school, lost 46-10. to And 
Then you had um, Indiana Wesleyan. And they are a first-year program. And I'd like to take a little time to talk about them. But they are a first-year program that has some schools in the mid-states a little worried. Maybe not players, maybe not coaches, but there's some a little worried about them because they are in that recruiting area. But they finish off their inaugural season at a 7-3 and record against Lawrence Tech, 51-19. So that's a school that needs to be watched out for. The Wildcats of Indiana Wesleyan. I am looking forward to talk about them more in the offseason. And they are making a lot of noise down there. But um, before we get to that second round coverage, uh, I'd just like to take a second and say thank you for those that support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us, we are just asking for friends of Patreon. Uh, $1 a month. We're not looking to get rich off this. We are just looking to provide better coverage of the NAIA because the kids deserve it. If there is any schools or businesses that would like to sponsor us, uh, we would be more than happy to communicate with you guys. We have three packages for schools and businesses. We have a $10 package, $25 package, and $50 package on Patreon. Um, what we are doing is not free. We have a website, uh, bills to pay. Like I said, we're not looking to get rich off anything, but we definitely do think the NAI deserves the best coverage it can get, and we are here to help make that happen. We know we aren't the best right now, but we are daggum sure working our way to it. So if you go to the NAIFball.com website, there's a link to our Patreon. If you would like to become a friend of ours to support us, uh, you are giving the NAI more coverage. You are helping the podcast. Because the podcast has a subscription service to create more space to archive the podcast. And we have other things that we would like to do. Um, I know I take the time to do splash edits for the kids, and the kids absolutely love them. So any support that you would like to give us, please message us and let us know. But uh, other than that, let's go ahead and get to the first round act or the second round action. Uh, Corey, can you you have the matchups pulled up? Can you just tell us uh, who the second round matchups are? Yeah, so you've got St. Xavier uh, traveling over to Morningside. You have uh, Dickinson State traveling over to Kansas Wesleyan. Concordia making their way to Benedictine. And Baker making their way over to St. Francis. Right, and uh, so we're going to go ahead and uh, – Start with uh, Morningside and Saint Xavier. Saint Xavier, excuse me. Uh, go ahead, Corey. Uh, what's your prediction for that game? Um, you know, I'm I'm going to pick Morningside until they show a sign of weakness. You know that their offense is just, you know, fantastic, and their rush defense against Rocky Mountain was was incredible. So, um. You know, I'm I'm gonna pick Morningside until they until someone shows me that they can keep up with them. Right, I am going with Morningside as well. I don't see anybody stopping the mega powers to so Trent Solsma and Connor Niles until we get to Daytona. So let's go ahead and go to Kansas Wesleyan and Dickinson State. Corey, I'll let you have the honors again. 
you know, I really liked what I saw at Dickinson State. And, um, you, know, you know, no disrespect to Kansas Wesley. You know, their defense showed up, showed out. Um, but, you know, so Dickinson State. Um, and, and um, you know, I, I think that they're going to make their way and, and make a deep run into the playoffs as, as well. And I see them uh, pulling, pulling an upset here. Right. I, uh, I think this game you have to feed the running backs. Uh, DeMarco Pruitt for Kansas Wesleyan and Ahmad Andrews for Dickinson State. I think whatever team trusts their running back to get 30-plus carries, control the ground game, shorten the game, which I think Dickinson State plans to do. I think Kansas Wesleyan wants to lengthen the game and get back to that vertical passing. I'm going to go with Dickinson State here. I think they end a historic run, and I might eat my crow. There's Kansas Wesleyan fans out here. I know you'll listen to this. I know you'll give me crap, and especially the Kansas Wesleyan Barstool account. You guys are awesome. And if you make me eat crow, you make me eat crow. But I'm going to go with the Blue Hawks here as semifinalists, and I'm excited to watch this game. This is probably the game I'm most excited about. So I'm going with Dickinson State. Okay. Next, we have Benedictine and Concordia. Uh, Corey, go ahead and pick a winner there. No, I, I had the Ravens last week. I'm, I'm going to stick with what works um, and, and stay with Benedictine. I, you know, Cumberland's was, was your dark horse pick to win it all. And, um, you know, I think for Benedictine to, to have vanquished uh, Concordia like that. Uh, I'm sorry, not Concordia. Cumberland's like that. So well, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're ahead. Sorts on that, aren't we? Um, I, think yeah. that, I think that shows a lot. Um, you know, Concordia did a really good job. A uh, game manager is not a bad word here. Um, and these playoffs, especially, game manager is not a bad word. Um, but I, I, I think, I think Benedictine is is going to come out on top. It's, it's going to be. It, I think it's going to be a pretty tight matchup. But, I, but I do think the Ravens are, are going to come out on top. Right. So I, uh, for this game and then St. Francis and Baker, this has some conference pride on the line. You have the Heart of America versus the Mid States. So conference pride is up for grabs here, and. I'm going to go with the mid-states for both games here. I'm going with Concordia. I think just like last week, they get a fast start, and their defense will suffocate Benedictine. I have Concordia in a blowout, and I that is my firm pick of the week. So take it to the bank, cash it in. Concordia Cardinals winning that game. Next is St. Francis and Baker. You already know my pick. Champ's going to champ. I got St. Francis Cougars winning against Baker. Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of a similar story to what I said about Morningside. Um, you know, picking them until someone can, someone shows me that they're going to give them a fight. Um, I've, I've got St. Francis here. Um, you know, this is, a, this is a team who's been there before. They know what to expect. And you know, I, I think that 
I, I don't think that Baker's going to pull two upsets in a row. I think an emotional game like that, I just I don't I don't see them, you know, being able to keep up with St. Francis. Right. I, I have St. Francis winning that game. Uh, last question, Corey, and we're going to wrap it up. Which team has been or was most impressive in the first round of the playoffs to you? Are, are we throwing out, like, Morningside? Because, I mean, they seem to be kind of head and shoulders above everybody else, honestly. Uh, well, St. Francis teams and other teams might take offense to that. But – yeah. No, we won't throw out Morningside. Go ahead, man. If that's your pick, go ahead and pick the top seed. Uh, I, I hate it because that's that's so cliche to pick, to pick the top seed. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go with St. Francis. I've I've got to, you, you know, like I said, they are built for the playoffs. They know what they're doing, and honestly, think really, you you're not going to go wrong with either of those two. Um, I really think it's going to be those two that make it to Daytona, and I'm. Think they're gonna, they would give us one heck of a ball game. Right. And I am going to go with the Cougars myself, but I'm not going with the back to back champs. I'm going with St. Xavier Cougars. They are battle tested. They lost to the back to back champs earlier, but St. Xavier shows you it doesn't matter if they lost early in the season because they might come back and get you later on. And that might be the case. You might have Cougar on Cougar again, and I have St. Xavier as the most impressive team, and I think Morningside needs to watch their back. I'm not upset yet, but Morningside needs to watch their back this game. They are battle-tested, and they are here to prove a point. They've been grinding out games, so I have St. Xavier as my most impressive team of week one of the playoffs. Week two of the playoffs coming up, your quarterfinals. We're going to find out who our semifinalists are Saturday. You need to keep up with us on the NAIF Ball Twitter account. We also have Instagram account. If any players would like a splash edit, we take no – we take no – how do I put this? We don't say no to anyone on Instagram. If you want to splash edit and you have a quality picture – let us know. We'll edit that bad boy for you. So we have Twitter, Instagram, and keep an eye on the website. You know, we have content going up pretty often. We have two new articles up today. Uh, we'll have preview of the next round coming up on the website. We have the podcast. Please consider becoming a friend of NAI Ball. Without you guys, we could not do this as efficiently as we would like to be. We are looking forward to this growing, and we are here to serve you guys, and we are here to serve the kids and give them the coverage they need. I wish there was somebody like me that was out here when I was playing NAIA football. So to the eight teams that are still out there looking for that race to Daytona, I am looking forward to meeting two of you in Daytona because I will be there. Corey, you will be there with me, man. A co-pilot, Corey Thorpe, will be there with me in Daytona to cover that national championship game. Uh, Corey, any closing remarks before we sign off? Um, yeah, I just want to give a, a few shout-outs. I know we we already um, gave uh, Coach Coke or uh, Dickinson, Dickinson say this shout-out. But, um, you know, in defeat, I want to give a couple other shout-outs of, of, um, of folks who um, you know either retweeted or, or liked us. And 
to me, this is just as impressive. Uh, Coach Carlson out of out of Grandview retweeting our our um, our tweet about the quarterfinals. Man, his team's not even in it, and he's still retweeting. Man, so got to give him a little love. And uh, the uh, co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Langston, Kevin Griffin, uh, give him a little a little love and a shout out for for liking our our tweets as well. Um, you know, we we're we're in it for the kids. We're in it to um, help the NAIA uh, have have a have a bigger name for itself and to take pride in what it does. Because um, you know it, they're playing for the love of the game out there. That's that's absolutely right. And I would like to give one last shout out, Mr. McCaffrey over there at St. Francis. You're doing an awesome job being the AD. I hope to meet you in Daytona if the Cougars make it again. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have a great day. And we cannot wait to keep interacting with you this week and for these games Saturday. For Corey Thorpe and John Cooper, NEI F-Ball,